Let's try... <laughs> ah! You drink this stuff? What the hell is it? Water. Water? I'm about to... There that, we go. That boom noise that I made meant that I hit record, in case you were wondering. <laughs> boom. Boom. There we are. Yeah, welcome back to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. Uh, my name is David. This guy is my friend. My name is Aaron. You are Aaron. And we're actually, finally, going to get to an episode that we've been teasing for what feels like months now. It's probably been at least a month that we've been talking about doing this episode so yeah um we're, we're we're finally here it's all right that's just the way life goes when doing the show on the road as it were i'm i'm live from the rv again although it's a podcast so it's not actually live it'll be, you know <laughs> you know how it goes but i'm i'm sitting in a very hot rv right now actually i should have cracked a window or something earlier it was like Take your shirt off. Oh, all right. It, it was <laughs> it was ridiculously warm today, and uh, and yeah. Usually when it's like a warm day, and I'm going to be recording, I'll go when it's like the sun's going down, or because I record late, um, being on the east coast right now, I I go and open a window, so you know it kind of cools off. And I was like, I didn't do that today, so I'm sitting in here. I'm like, holy smokes! But I also at the same point don't want to open any windows because I'm like, I don't want to be out here like talking. You know, as, as, as I guess animated as I can get at times with like the neighbors all around that are like, why, why is he right outside my window doing that? So, Hey, free show for them. It's summertime. Right. <laughs> they, late, and they, they get the late night show. The late night show and they only get one side of the show. <laughs> <laughs> about something they have no clue about. Good chance. Yeah. Cause, uh, like outside of my parents is where I'm sitting right now, but the closest neighbors are my grandparents. So they would definitely have no idea what's going on. <laughs> He's just well, out there yelling again. <laughs> Why is he out there yelling again? <laughs> we thought he was over his youthful angst, but I guess not. <laughs> no, definitely not. The definitely RVs not. brought back childhood trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Did it ever? Did it ever? Uh, we were just chatting real quick before hitting record about uh, laser eye surgery, <laughs> um, and I was like, "Why aren't we recording this?" Because we were—I uh, was basically talking about uh, a procedure that I may end up having because I got new glasses. That's what this all started with. We were both wearing uh, new glasses, and we're like, "Oh, I got to talking." And I was like, "Why aren't we talking about laser eye surgery on the on the podcast?" And like, just how we live in a world now in a time where they can literally take ridiculously powerful lights and like make your vision better. Like it's it's insane when you think about it. Like I, I don't pretend to understand how it all works, but uh, it's pretty crazy stuff. Well, I always just think about who who had to be the guinea pig for, you know, <laughs> trying. It's like, all right, we're going to try put a laser on your eye and hope for the best here. <laughs> yeah, let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I have no idea how that came to be a thing. But I, anytime I think about, like, if I ever got corrective surgery, um, so I have this thing called keratoconus, which I was is what I was describing to you. That's the official like medical term. It basically means my corneas. I'm getting getting real personal here. Uh, instead of being just like round, they're more they kind of grow kind of cone shaped, not to like a fine like needle point sort of thing by any means, but um, less round than they should be. And so a couple of the things that are like treatments for that, if it gets to that point, 
are either hard contact lenses, which sucks apparently, um, or like this laser surgery I was telling you about. But regardless, if I ever got to a point where I didn't need glasses, whether I was wearing contacts or I actually got a corrective surgery, I've often thought of like, would I just continue wearing, would I be that guy who wears non-prescription glasses just because <laughs> like... That looks cool. Well, I I mean, I've worn yeah, glasses. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the that's the big yeah. thing. I've worn glasses since the fifth grade, right? Like, yeah. um, you know, it's just like this thing where it's it's part of part of me in a sense, right? So, I'm like, I feel like I probably would be that guy who would go and you know, kind of continue wearing glasses or whatever. I wouldn't. I don't know that I'd go to the extent where it's like, you know, you see people have like a different pair of glasses for every day. I would still probably just have yeah. one, maybe two max three different pairs or whatever right like i've with glasses i only ever have one pair anyway so um because i i can't i'm not rolling in it i can't you know afford multiple pairs of glasses that are um you know gonna gonna keep me all stylish from day to day <laughs> i got one dude i i got mine at uh two for one factory optical so yeah well there you go so that's a good double deal. double the style for yeah double the price like i'm also the guy <laughs> yeah i'm also the guy who wears like I, I definitely have uh those like sunglasses that go over top of my glasses um <laughs> which is oh yeah me too I, which is like lots of sweet looks oh yeah which is like 100 percent like like so do you wear just like sunglasses on top of your glasses or are they specific like over your glasses sunglasses they are Dollarama specials. Yeah, okay. See, which, I, which fit over my other glasses pretty good. And now these ones, like only the bottom half. So they look extra dorky. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny. So I used to do that, but I would always be like fiddling with them because they would never feel like they were staying on, right? Yeah. Because like oh, prescription yeah. sunglasses are expensive, right? Especially like I've got a, a ridiculous prescription. So um, I'm like, I don't want to pay that much money for a pair of sunglasses, right? Like, um, and so forever, yeah, I just wore like sunglasses over top of my glasses only when I was driving. That was basically the only time I did it. I was like, if I was driving during, you know, and it was bright out or whatever, doing some long drives, I would do it. But um, recently I bought like the over the top where they're designed to go, but they, they kind of have like that, like Ray-Bans sort of look like they're, they're not fully just like the, you know, like the big, like bug eyed look that okay. most of them are. <laughs> they're, they're more of like a Ray-Ban style. They're a little bigger than Ray-Bans would be, but I'm like, this'll do, this'll do. They work so much better. But anyway, enough about our dorkiness. Let's talk about, uh, I mean, I guess our other door. Oh, I, before we get into into music i should get the the important stuff the important stuff <laughs> the housekeeping stuff out of the way go follow us on all of your social media networks at growing punk pod you'll find us wherever you find people except we're not on linkedin um actually a, i am and i've got two people on there so check me out well there you go um but yeah <laughs> instagram twitter we've got a facebook page uh, that I think basically for the most part is just reposts of Instagram posts. So go follow us on Instagram and Twitter at growing punk pod, wherever you're listening to the show, rate it, review, subscribe, tell your friends, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you can find the show. If this is your first time listening to it and you're not listening on your favorite podcast app, guess what? You can find it on your favorite podcast app. Anyway, enough rambling. Let's talk about music. Specifically, let's talk about some new music. Um, that's, it's been a few weeks since we got together, since we chatted. So yeah. what have you, uh, what have you been listening to lately? Yeah, some of the highlights, uh, Scott Sellers, who we've talked about a few times on this show, who was the mm-hmm. singer of an old um, 
punk band called Rufio. He's released a crap load of music over the last few years, and <laughs> his newest... Uh, <laughs> That's the only way to describe it, a crap load. Like, it is a... T- I don't... That sounded bad. I He's actually legit, um, but he has released a lot of music in the last yeah. little bit. Like, a lot. I don't know if he just, like... I'm just wondering if he had it all just piling up and was like, ah, screw it, let's release it sort of thing, because it seems like it's a ton of music. Yeah, it would be interesting to hear kind of how what his process is for coming up with, with so much stuff. I'm sure there is, you know, yeah. ideas just from over the years and yeah. maybe he just has the time or resources now, but his latest one is an album called influences and it's a cover album. And I got to say, it's, it's one of the best covers albums I've ever come across. Yeah. Mostly because he's covering a lot of yeah, yeah. You know, our, our favorite bands from yeah. the nineties and, and just his take on it. He just adds so much, just lots of really cool guitar riffs and melody and, just an awesome, awesome collection of songs. Yeah, and I think what I like about the album, first I'd say if any of you listening have like a uh, a connection to or with Scott, let it, get get him to come on the show because I want to talk to him. I reached out to him. I haven't heard back from him about coming on to talk about um, this album because basically what you just said. But the one thing I like about it is that a lot of covers albums, you know, you kind of go into it, especially in the punk world, you go into it going like, okay, what non-punk songs are they going to, you know, do kind of the stereotypical thing and speed it right. up and whatever. He's, all of the songs on here are like pop punk, skate punk gems from the 90s and 2000s, right? Like early 2000s. Uh, are there any early 2000s? Maybe it's just 90s now that yeah, I think it about it. Yeah, it might just be. Um, yeah. Anyway, like, so it's it's hearing like this skate punk twist on some of these you know songs and some sometimes it's like pretty it's pretty true to the original and then there's other times where he's you know keeps it true but also adds like his scott sellers flair uh like the dude the dude can play guitar right so um he's got some sick riffage on there but what song in particular kind of stood out to you uh the one for me was the mxpx cover get a that one i went on youtube and it looked like it had been released like a year ago or something and so yeah i somehow missed that yeah i missed it too because like how i heard about all of this going on was actually slick shoes sharing uh his cover of their song yeah and i was like oh sweet like this is all and then i think i sent it to you is that how that happened 
I th or yeah. And then yeah, I, I so. and then I like followed the face or his YouTube link or whatever, and I was like, dude, he like did a face to face cover, did a Blink One Eighty Two cover, and I saw MXPX, and yeah, some of them were. I think he'd been working on them. I, I saw he commented like on one of the YouTube videos. He's like, oh, I've kind of just had these you know been working on them just for fun initially and then i just decided to release them type thing or i think maybe that was his instagram post when he when he released it and uh yeah they're they all sound great it's 10 songs it goes by so quick um but it's yeah it's a real good which is nice because you can listen to it lots and and yeah. i love that mxpx one because the original one there's no lead guitar on it yeah and so i, I that's what i love about him is just hearing kind of his take on how he just really spices up those songs and yeah and that's one of my favorite albums off of life in general already and so here's to have a, that added on there is just a bonus here's a funny little thing about your problem my emergency because that's the song he he does um right yeah 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 that's what <laughs> i had to think for a second is uh forever up until actually and this and and maybe i'll lose my like mxpx fan card with this one or lose some points but forever i thought the opening line in that song i thought mike said did i pass is what i thought he said and it wasn't until listening to scott sing that he says get a get a clue is that what it is yeah, yeah he I says get so. a clue i'm not here for you but my cd my copy of life in general also that song skipped and it wasn't like a like a skip where you know you, you lost a second or two it was one of those ones where it would get stuck and so <laughs> anytime i listened to that it would, if i had that album in my cd player if i was listening to it i would have to like pre-program the tracks to skip that one otherwise it would get on that song and i guess now it says get a clue when i thought it said did i pass but it was it would just be like get a clue and it would just get total stuck and i was like ah. but that, uh that, that was the originating uh inspiration for dubstep yeah there you go uh but yeah no um i think it's called influence or influences i i don't have yeah. that in front of me, but by scott sellers definitely worth the time uh to go listen to it uh the the song that i wanted to share was we've actually i believe i and maybe it was me uh in the past shared a song from these guys uh a number of episodes ago when they were kind of doing their pre-release like their singles coming out before the album uh, release or whatever but uh, from american arson their their album a line in the sand finally uh I, I say finally as if it was forever it wasn't at all but it's out now and the seventh track on that album called let conviction grow
Yeah, this song, there's a couple parts on this album that kind of like really hit pretty hard, but the first verse specifically on this song, and the singer does it with like this kind of like spoken, I don't want to say spoken word necessarily. I mean, he is just speaking, but it's not like, it doesn't come off as like your stereotypical like spoken word beat poet sort of thing, right? But like, he, yeah. he, he's just, he's, he's talking and the delivery and whatnot, and the, the content that he is you know, singing, talking about, or whatever. It's just, like, gut-wrenching sort of stuff. But it reminds me yeah. of At The Drive-In, actually, on that song. And I was like, it, as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, man. Especially, like, I just finished reading the book Post, which I've been talking a little bit about here and there. Um, and there's a chapter on At The Drive-In, so I've been kind of, like, going back through their library a little bit. And, uh, yeah, just, like, when it came on, I was like, holy smokes, this reminds me of At The Drive-In. But... If you, if you haven't heard American Arson, I mean, you just heard them on the show as I, as I played a clip there. But um, I would say, you know, they've, they've got elements of thrice, whether it's, you know, kind of like later thrice or even some parts that are earlier thrice, obviously at the drive and in there. Just some like hard rock, uh, post-hardcore. It's good. It's, it's definitely worth a listen. Um, and if I recall correctly, they're just a two-piece, I think. Yeah. 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 So like, they kind of... They're like, Fill it out. Yeah. yeah. Sure oh, I was going to say, they're just like my bathing suit that I was wearing at the beach today as a two-piece. <laughs> oh, a, a very full two-piece, <laughs> yes. wouldn't you say? <laughs> <laughs> very full two-piece. Um, yeah, and, and so that always surprised me. They actually remind me a little bit as well of a band that uh, you brought up when we did our quarantine scene episodes on some of the songs. They, they've got a little bit of an Every New Day vibe, which, um, I mean, Every New Day reminded me of thrice so really it's just kind of going going down the line a little right. bit there but yeah but yeah they really fill it out um for just the two of them and i mean obviously with with production stuff you can just because you're a two-piece doesn't mean you're going to sound like a two-piece but i imagine playing live they still they still sound pretty good so um but who knows we can't we we can't go see bands live these days right it's not allowed that's true it's not allowed anymore so here we are stuck talking about music that uh, we never, I don't, I don't know where I'm going. Let's get into it. We're going to talk about Alkaline Trio. Uh, we've been teasing this episode for a little while now as part of our Blink-182 series that has literally gone on for eons, um, but that's that's fine. We, we interject with things here and there, so it wasn't all Blink-182 all the time. Eventually, one day, I'll do an Angels and Airwaves episode, but for now, this will be the official, unofficial close of the Blink-182 series before we move on uh, to something else. And I don't even think it's fair to actually refer to this as part of the Blink-182 series because obviously this stuff came out before Matt had anything to do with Blink that we're going to talk about. Right. Um, we're going to yeah. talk about their albums From Here to Infirmary and Good Morning. Um, and I don't know that we'll ever get into like a full Alkaline Trio series. Who knows? Maybe. But this is this this will be the Alkaline Trio episode. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of I don't think it's necessarily fair to refer to it as uh, part of the Blink One Eighty Two series. But here we are. So, did you have before doing this any real experience with Alkaline Trio? Yeah, so I had like I remember listening to this band, you know, years ago on tour. I think uh, Todd probably played them, mm. and it never really stood out. It was probably a bit too slow for me, or or whatever. It just kind of didn't stick. Um, but then when uh, their album Agony and Irony came out, that was 2008. I'm not sure why that one. I, I kind of 
think I remember just being at a record store when it came out and, and just bought it and really liked it. And I've listened to everything since, um, but I you know missed out on those handful of, of first records, right? Um, which I I partially feel okay with. Um, I I really like the later records and and uh, yeah, it was a bit challenging going back and listening to to these two. Not because they're bad records by any means, but I feel like for me they fall into that category of this would have been a, a lot better had I really liked it when it came out. It's kind of hard right. to, you know, with that era of early 2000s, you know, there's a lot of records in there that are really meaningful to a lot of people, but if you're just getting into them now, they, they don't really hold that same yeah. kind of value to them. So, yeah, definitely a band that I, that I really love, but more so, you know, their their last handful of releases. Which is funny. So we're, we're kind of like opposites in that regard. Um I, I really liked Is This Thing Cursed, I should say that. And then their three-song EP that they released, was that this year that it came out? I think it was 2020. Yeah, it anyway. could have been. Anyway, um, I, like I enjoyed that stuff for sure, but the stuff between Good Morning and Is This Thing Cursed, I never really listened to outside of a song here or there. So um, they were definitely a band for me that in that time uh, I, I really got into. So... Uh, let's dive into them a little bit. We're going to start with their album From Here to Infirmary. This was Alkaline Trio's third album, um, but the first one that I actually got into, I don't remember specifically why I bought it. Like I, I must have heard them somewhere, or maybe the name was just floating around, and I saw it, and I bought it, but um, it was the first one that I, that I ever had. It was also their first record on Vagrant Records, which is what I think maybe that's where I maybe hopped on board, because for me... Um, Vagrant Records kind of replaced like Tooth and Nail Records as not yeah I mean I guess Tooth and Nail would be the closest thing where I was like okay I want to if there's a band on this label I'm gonna at least check them out based solely off the label right like yeah they had a lot of good bands then yeah and you can say the same thing about Fat Records obviously um, and Epitaph like those but for me specifically like Tooth and Nail was a label where I I picked up a lot of stuff and then Vagrant kind of became that label you know, obviously you had Face to Face, you had Alkaline Trio, you had No Motive, you had Dashboard Confessional, you had Get Up Kids. Like, there was just a ton of bands that were coming out of Vagrant um, that I was fully into. Um, it was also the first and only album to feature drummer Mike Falumley. I don't know if I said that right, but dude can play some drums. That's one of the things about this record I noticed going back and listening to it now is how much the drums actually stand out. Uh, but he left the band shortly after the album's release. Adam Willard 
which is a familiar name, actually filled in for a tour and in the video for Private Eye, which, funny enough, I could not find that video. I know it exists, but it's not on YouTube. Uh, of course, Adam Willard has played in literally every band known to man. He's been in Rocket from the Crypt, The Offspring, Coalesce, Angels and Airwaves, Social Distortion, Against Me, and even uh, played drums at some point in time for Canadian alt-rock legend Danko Jones. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Literally There's every... some good street cred. Every band known to man, I think we can say about Adam Willard. Uh, did I mention... Yeah, I said Against Me. Um and uh, it was recorded and produced by Matt Allison, who had actually worked with the band on their previous albums. Uh, he's also worked with uh, artists like the Lawrence Arms, Leslie Jake, the Menzingers, to name a few. Uh, the album was mixed by Jerry Finn, which I want to say was a pretty common thing at that time, especially if you're a band not necessarily from Chicago, but I believe Jerry Finn's from Chicago and so is Alkaline Trio. Uh, great quote from Dan Andriano, bass player in the band, in regards to the uh, slight change in sound. Because when this record came out, there were people who were saying like, "Oh, they've kind of, they've they've simplified, and you know, it's not it's not it's not the same Alkaline Trio, uh, you know, as on their first two records." He says, "I would have to say, from here to Infirmary, started to uh, shape things up with more of a straight up rock kind of sound. I think the previous two albums, which was 1998's God Damn It and 2000's Maybe I'll Catch Fire." are really great, but are a bit meandering. I think from here to infirmary is when Matt Skiba and I both realized that we wanted to tighten the screws a bit, simplify things a little, and focus more on punching you in the nuts with our rock. Metaphorically speaking, of course. <laughs> wanted to punch you in the nuts with our rock. That's uh, I thought that was pretty great from, from Dan. But um, the record peaked at number 199 on the Billboard 200. Uh, there's a clip actually on YouTube that has Mark and Tom, this is interesting, of Blink-182, talking about Matt Skiba's lyricism. It's a little unclear in the video uh, as to the time frame, but in because it's from the 2004 Warp Tour when this interview happened, uh, but they talked about, um, Tom said when he heard Matt's lyrics, it made him go back and rewrite a few songs because he wanted to really get the most out of his lyrics. And it was actually Danger Gavin on Instagram that pointed me in the direction of this clip because I think if you kind of like break it down, they're saying, you know, it made me go, Tom says it made me go back and rewrite some lyrics on our last record. So if you're saying last record at that time, that would be, they would have been currently touring uh, the Untitled record. So if you say last not their current, that would be Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, which would then mm. put it in the time frame of being this record from here to Infirmary, most likely that he heard, that made yeah. him go back and kind of like take a look basically at how he was writing things and maybe rethink things a little bit, which is interesting because obviously Matt would go on to replace Tom in the band. So yeah, that's that's awesome. But uh, random fact about this album for myself, I don't know why, but my copy, I had this on CD and my copy actually came with not one, but two lyric books. Um, both identical. So it's not like there is, you know, like something that was changed in one for the, I don't know if this was a thing that happened a lot where they had, you know, like it, they just had a bunch ship out and there were, you know, duplicates of the mm. lyric sheets in there or not. Like, and it's not like it was just like a single sheet or something like it was a book, right? Like you could flip it, go through and it was, it was full and I had two of them in there. And so I got the bright idea one year, um, when I was going, I went to warp tour at alkaline trio was playing and I took that book, like one of the extras, as well as the sleeve for my vinyl copy of Tuesday's album, Freewheeling. Now, Tuesday was Dan Andriano's other band 
um, kind of more of like an emo tinged uh, sort of thing. And I'd found this record on, you know, on vinyl in a used record shop and bought it. And so I, I took them and I was hoping to get them signed, um, but but never ran into any of the guys from Alkaline Trio. So instead, I just carried these around all oh, day. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> let's... Uh, Got them all sweaty in your back pocket. I, yeah, I had a backpack. Thanks. I mean, could you imagine me like trying to... If I had to carry a vinyl sleeve around the whole time, like just like <laughs> a giant like... You just know, like, like holding it up, trying to not get it wet. Yeah, right. Like twelve inch by twelve inch, or whatever the exact diameter is of like a record sleeve. Just walking around with this thing, um, that would have been that would have been fantastic. So let's get into some of these songs. Let's start first with uh, "Take Lots with Alcohol." This is probably not good life advice. <laughs> Take lots with alcohol. Um, but, I mean, it is a song about drowning one's problems in alcohol. Like, just kind of going, you know what? I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to face this. So I'm just going to start drinking. And that is one thing about Alkaline Trio. Um, they, they write a lot of songs about substance abuse in one way or another. Um, but this has been a song that has often stuck out to me. Uh, with Alkaline Trio in a few things. Like, first and foremost, like, the kind of start-stop verse that they got going on and how he, like, says hello, like, he's, like, talking, like, having a conversation uh, and all this stuff, but just, like, the guitar, right? Just, like, I don't know. It's it's always kind of got stuck in my head and just has this kind of, like, real quick... Because opening up with Private Eye has got, like, this kind of, like, not... I don't know if menacing is the right word, but just kind of, like, this, like, darker feel to it. And then this one kind of opens up a little bit. I don't know if this is even track two. It might be track three, but um, it does kind of like feel a little lighter, I think, than uh, than than Private Eye. But I'm just I'm just opening up to double check. Uh, yeah, this is this is track three. Well, Mr. Chainsaw is track two, which is not very. None of these songs are bright and light, but just light and feeling. But um, the verse on the or the bridge, sorry, on this song. I have always absolutely loved the verse and just how it kind of like comes out of nowhere and they don't really do anything with it. It's more of an outro than a verse, I guess you could say. Um, but just with just 
comes out and he talks about, you know, I'm a has-been who is heckled on the stage. Um, it's just, I don't know. I just have always loved how it just kind of comes out, does its thing. It's totally unassuming. And then next thing you know, the song's just kind of kind of over. And the heckling, you know, the has-been who's been heckled on the stage or whatever line always reminds me of a band that I played in where our drummer, uh, we were actually speaking of two-piece bands. We were just a two-piece band and the drummer wrote on, on his, you know, like the, um, what's it called? Like his, on his kick drum or whatever, he wrote, we promote heckling. And uh, except he like, <laughs> we, we, we thought it was funny in that we like totally. Until it happened. Well, no, we just totally like misspelled it. We were this really weird band. Like you couldn't tell what it said. Cause I think it was like, I think we wrote it like, well, I'm sure we was pretty obvious, but promote, I think we spelled like P-R-A-H-M-O-A-T-E or something like that. It was just like, anyways, it was just a butcher spelling of, of the words, <laughs> but we were such a weird band because like we played a show and I can remember setting up this thing where I had a friend come up on stage and in the middle of a song, just like kick me in the nuts, right? Like not like, act, <laughs> but not like full not on, but- you wanted heckling. Well, exactly. And not like full on, like he actually like begged me, but, but just, you know, the classic, like if you, if you do it right, it doesn't actually hurt. Right. So he like comes up on stage and totally, we like worked this thing out. And meanwhile, there's like people in the crowd being like, what a dick. Why did he do that? And so it's just like this stupid band who was also very emo at the same time. I don't know. But, um, sounds what, amazing. <laughs> what were your thoughts on, on take lots with alcohol? Did it make you want to take lots with alcohol? You know this. To be honest, this song didn't. I listened to it a few times over. You know, after I listened to it, listened to it again, and just tried to find something that really stood out. And you know, one of the things with Alkaline Trio, as I was listening to these albums and even through their whole discography, is I find that a lot of it doesn't necessarily stand out. You know, one song to the next, like a lot of their. Maybe it's just their style or Matt's vocals are, are quite similar. Mm-hmm. And so this was just one of those songs that, you know, it's an Alkaline Trio song. It's it's a good song, but I didn't really find anything that kind of really struck me on it. So maybe that's just because I, I'm hearing it now, you know, kind of for the first time and yeah, don't I, really have any connection to it. I would say I'm just trying to listen to something. Yeah, go back and listen to the the drum intro of that song for one. That's one thing that like, oh yeah, yeah, like catches. I remember me. that. Yeah, and um, oh, I'm surprised I didn't put that down because yeah. I remember listening to that, being like, oh, it's, you don't hear many like kind of simple three piece punk bands that that start with a little kind of drum fill or whatever. Yeah, so that was cool. Which is funny because then I didn't put it as a note because I assumed you would have it as a note. Um, but it is one of the things where on this album is just like his drumming. Um, I think it's there are there are parts where it really stands out and obviously that's one. And I mean he's, he's it's the only thing being played at that point is just the drums and the intro. But um so it's always stood out. And yeah, for me like the the verses I've always liked in in the sense that they're conversational like hello, what the hell am I doing here or whatever, right? Like he's just he's yeah. he's talking to I'm going to assume it's you know it sounds like in in the lyrics like he's talking to a like a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist whatever like is it being like hey, I don't know what's wrong with me but maybe you can figure it out. Actually, I do kind of know. Can you please give me can you <laughs> prescribe me some meds? Yeah. Um but yeah, it's always the the verse is what I, or the bridge is what has always stood out to me. Like I said, where it just kind of comes out of nowhere and it got stuck in my head from the first time I heard it. And I'm like, 
What a weird line. I'm a has-been who is heckled on this stage. I'm like, what? Okay, like, that's something. How are you a has-been already? But, like, it just sort of, like, doesn't fit yeah. fit the rest of the song. But at the same point, it's so good that, uh, yeah, it's 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 one that when when thinking about songs to pick for, for this record, I was like, I have to because that... I look for that song. I don't think until now I really realized actually what song it was in, if that makes sense. Because, like I said, it feels so different from the rest of the song that when I hear the beginning of the song, I don't necessarily associate that that's coming up at the end of the song. And so when picking songs, I also felt like it was later on the album than track three. So like looking through, I was like, oh, I got to I gotta pick this song. Uh, but let's get into the next song, um, which would be Stupid Kid. <laughs> Just a little while You left me for dead so far away I replace you with fear and shame You'll be happy on the day I die There are things that used to make me laugh But now they're deeply buried in the past I left them there so far away Replace my humor with my pain I'll be happy on the day it dies Remember when I said I love you well Yeah, I take it back I was just a stupid kid back then I take back every word that I said This song... Uh, is featured in actually one of my favorite TV shows from the early 2000s. Uh, it played, and I want to say it might be the very first episode. It's Family your, Matters? <laughs> did you ever watch the show Undergrads? Well, I, I never had cable, and so I wouldn't have watched it like often. So, I, I do remember the title of it, and I'm sure yeah. I saw it at a friend's place. But And I think they had a deal with... So, like, Good Charlotte wrote the theme song for that. As far as... I thought, I had read something recently, I thought that Good Charlotte like had just written this song and it got picked up by undergrads as the theme song, because it's not like on any of their albums, it's a song called The Click, which you may have heard it, but um, but uh, then I, I think I read recently that they actually wrote it for the show, but anyways, it was, it was like an MTV cartoon uh, animated show that I guess like the guy who created it won like a competition and it was basically like oh shoot like it's based on him and his friends and he won this like tv show deal and he's like oh dang like i gotta now i gotta write a show and work on a show like he went from kind of just spinning his wheels to all of a sudden working basically at mtv it came out i think around or at the same time as clone high i don't know if you saw that one um yeah i'm familiar with it but i never really watched them yeah so they're classics i mean they they might be you know, much like you said about this record, like maybe had you discovered it in the time, something that sticks a little more. But um, anyway, so this song, I think it's on the first episode. This song plays at one point. And I think they had a deal with Vagrant Records at the time because I remember Dashboard Confessional had a song on there and I think Get Up Kids did. And it's like all those bands. But uh, so, yeah, it's it it's always kind of like anytime I've watched that show, I'm like, oh, yeah, love this song. Uh, and whenever I make playlists or mix CDs that feature Alkaline Trio, it's generally this song that I pick. 
it was one of the singles off this album. In fact, it's got a video um, that I think is pretty great. I don't know if you watched it, but it's basically about this kid getting picked on in school. And then he kind of like gets, I think he gets, either he gets kicked out of class or he just gets angry and leaves class. And then when he like leaves, he turns around and he looks back in the window and he like takes, he's wearing this toque and he takes his toque off. And he's got like devil horns. And then uh, like the, the classroom is all of a sudden like on fire or whatever. Like it's kind of like a dark thing when you think about like a lot <laughs> yeah. of, you know, whether you want to talk about school shootings or whatever, it's like, well, that's kind of like, okay. Like, yeah, that's, lots has happened since then. So Yeah. Um, but I, I've always loved, I like I watched it on repeat because I had a, uh, a Vagrant Records DVD and it was on oh, yeah. there and I watched it so many times and um, I just loved actually like watching the band's performance more so yeah. than like the story being told in the video because then there's it's interspliced with shots of them playing in like the school courtyard or whatever uh, and they're all wearing you know dressed in black or what have you and um, and they're just like I it's I don't know I love watching the drummer again uh, the drums on this song are fantastic they're another part that really kind of stand out. And then it's just like little tasty bass riffs that Dan plays where it's like, he kind of changes it from verse to verse. And it's just like this one little thing that he'll do, um, in the middle of the verse or whatever, but he changes it up each time. So it's a little bit different. Uh, I don't know. I just always, always loved this song from the moment I first heard it. Yeah. I, I definitely remember hearing this one as soon as I was listening to it and it sounded familiar. Was it not on Tony Hawk? Uh, it could have been. This one, do you know? I'm not sure. I, I, yeah. Um, I I don't remember. Like I thought, maybe I saw that somewhere. Maybe that's where I I'd heard it a bunch. But yeah, it's it's a really catchy song. It reminds me a lot of you know punk rock from that era where it's just you know simple. There's not a lot of added guitar parts or any fluff. It's straightforward. But you know, it, it gets the job done. It sticks in your head, and it's a really catchy song. So. The only thing that comes up, so the song Armageddon, which is off the next album, was on Tony Hawk's Underground. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm, I'm actually gonna. I'm, I'm looking. Maybe I had. Ju- maybe I just saw something about Tony Hawk. Maybe it wasn't a. Maybe it wasn't this um, song. But oh, if- oh, stupid kid was on American Chopper. <laughs> uh, Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. They had washed away, or wash away. Sorry. Uh, let's see if stupid kid shows up anywhere else. Oh, these are good. Yeah, newer. maybe not. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, um, yeah. The only one I see was was yeah. Armageddon was on Tony Hawk's Underground, but um, okay. yeah, no, it was. Uh, I love yeah, I love this song, and you're right. It does it does kind of just have that that sound that's very fitting for that time. Um, and I don't know. I think what what Dan does on the bass is kind of what sells it for me. Like, I don't necessarily like. I'll I'll look for those things more so now than I would have then. You know, just like little bits. It's one thing to look for like a guitar riff, you know, like Blink-182 playing Damn It or something, right? Where it's like this very in-your-face guitar riff versus like looking for little pieces in songs and little parts. But that, for whatever reason, that little bass thing got me every time from day one. And maybe it's because of the video when you actually see him play it and you're like, oh, oh, he kind of like does something a little bit different there. It's kind of neat. But um, yeah, so I've always, always dug this song. Uh, The last song that we're going to look at uh, on this album was one that uh, you picked. It's Bloodied Up. You don't say much of anything when questioned 
So we were just talking about the bass, and uh, so there's you know a number of songs in this album where you know the guitar is a bit like more kind of clean channel or less less chunky and a bit slower, um, which is fine. But what <coughs> what I liked about that on this song is the bass really stood out on this song to me. It just had a really good you know kind of grit, grimy sound to it, and uh, and I and I love that about that you know when there's not a lot of extra guitar parts to kind of, you know, not muddy up the song, but add. But sometimes it just gives a bit more room for, you know, for the instruments that are there to breathe. And, yeah. and so that's that's what stood out immediately to me on this song. It's got a really great chorus, which is, you know, what caught my ear right away when I was listening to the song and why I picked it. Um, you know, it's always great to have a chorus to kind of stick in, especially like when I said before, a lot of the songs seem to run together. If there's a chorus that really stands out, at least for me, it makes you want to go back and listen to it again, and just so I, I kind of makes me it makes that song stick with me a bit more. Yeah. You know, again, there's nothing nothing crazy on this song, but it's a great song overall, and I love when it picks up the speed at the end. You know, I don't know if there's many alkaline trio songs that you know kind of go to that fast double time drumming. Yeah. And when this song went to it, I was like, oh, like I was not expecting that, but I like yeah. that. They they played with the uh, <laughs> I laugh anytime I think of this now, but the Goldfinger formula. <laughs> because when we talked about when we did the Goldfinger episode, we talked a number of times about songs that they had specifically off that first record. I think maybe it was even both that we talked about, but where like the back half of the song would all of a sudden go double time. Yeah, yeah. And like oh yeah, yeah they got which obviously they're not the creators of that by any means. But now that's just going to yeah. be stuck in my head. This song has always been one that stood out to me as well. And for some reason, when like picking picking songs off this record, maybe it's because it's later on the album than the ones I kind of had originally picked. Uh, it just like slipped right past. And when you said bloodied up, I was like, Oh yeah. Like I remember I was listening to it like a day or so before and it came on. I was like, oh, I've always loved the course of this song and just how, you know, he like works the words in there. And it is also a, like a prime example of just how like violent or graphic or grotesque, um, alkaline trios lyrics can be sometimes you know when he's talking about like picking his teeth up off the ground uh and he's like as far as i know he's not talking about an actual like like getting his teeth smashed in but more as a metaphor for some kind of relationship or what have you right like um and so it's just like hearing him describe it that way i was like it's always like stuck out just like as as obviously like violent for you know because it is but um that's something about alkaline trio that they've just always kind of, I think hung on to. And I think a lot of that comes from, you know, like they owe a lot to the misfits, I think for like, just like mm. influence on them. Even there's times, I don't know that he's doing it so much anymore, but maybe he is where Matt Skiba does like the, like the, the widow's well, peak hair sort of hairstyle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's kind of interesting, but this song also, um, the line where he says the black and white and red, uh, it says black and white and red all over. I think, uh, that line always kind of makes me laugh because it just reminds me of lame jokes. Like, have you ever heard that? What's black and white and red all over? Yeah. A newspaper. So that's all I can think of whenever I hear this song is like, is he making a newspaper joke here? Like what's going on? Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of funny and it's always sort of stood out, um, in that regard as well. So, uh, just a couple other notable songs to kind of touch on, um, private eye. I talked a little bit about it earlier. Um, 
like I said, I'm pretty sure there's a video for it. And in fact, uh, I think it said Adam Willard was played drums for the video, uh, but I could not find it for the life of me on YouTube. Mm. And I can like sort of picture it in my brain. And like, I, I know I've seen it before. Um, but anyway, there is, however, a pretty dang good cover by a day to remember featuring Matt Skiba on YouTube. You should, if you haven't seen it, go yeah. find it. Um, I've I don't know. definitely heard that. I need to go back now that I've listened to. Yeah, I'm to not. Sh- this. I'm not sure if it was from like a self help fest or something like that. But um, yeah, they, I've never seen that. It's it's really good. And then really, there's for me, there's too many other songs on this album um, where I'm just like, oh yeah, that song, and oh yeah, this song, because um, it was for sure like a time where like I listened to this record a ton. Uh, just just to name a few, it was like uh, another innocent girl, steamer trunk, just like. There's a few if if you if you're not overly familiar with the album that you can kind of go listen to as well. But um, my one complaint I think about this record, and you sort of touched on it, maybe maybe not intentionally in the same way, but is uh, just with the guitar tone on the record leaves a bit to be desired for me. Yeah. Um, at times it's fine, but then when it's just like I think like when they double the guitar, it sounds fine. But then when it's just like a single guitar, it sounds really thin. Um, yeah. And it's yeah. I mean, whatever. Sometimes you go for that. Sometimes you don't. And it doesn't take anything really away from the album for me. I just notice it from time to time. But let's move on to the other record we're going to talk about this episode. That would be Good Morning. I've got a book of matches. I've got a can of kerosene I got some bad ideas Involving you and me I don't blame you for walking away I touched myself at thoughts of flames I sat the bed I laid there in it Thinking of you wide awake for days Wide awake for days I found you tongue-tied In my twisted little brain You couldn't crack a smile I didn't catch your name I don't blame you for walking away I'd do the same if I saw me I swear it's not contagious And for short steps we can erase this Step one, slit my throat Step two, bleed my blood Step three, cover me so this is their fourth studio album the last one was their third one this is their fourth one uh, but between this one and From Here to Infirmary, they actually released a pretty great split with Hot Water Music, uh, which featured unreleased songs from the bands, as well as the two bands covering songs by each other, uh, which cool. is kind of neat. Maybe one day we'll do a Hot Water Music episode. Who knows? Um, but this album is the first appearance for drummer Derek Grant in the band. Uh, Jerry Finn mixed this record again. Uh, but this time he was also co-producer, and it's also the first full-length album that the band did without Matt Allison uh, working the boards. 
And uh, this was the band's second album on Vagrant Records. They had a couple more to go. And as far as the title of the record is concerned, Skiba was out having breakfast one day uh, when his waiter came over and, you know, basically said good morning. And he kind of got to thinking, like, the, you know, the, the two different meanings and spellings of the word morning. So he called everyone and said, let's name the album Good Morning, but with a U. And the rest is history. So now we have Good Morning, which fits for them in their, you know, yeah, for like sure. dark side of things. Yeah, um, I like that. Yeah, and this album actually debuted at number 20 on the Billboard 200 I know, that's charts. crazy. So that's a I pre- didn't realize that that they, you know, peaked that much. It sold 258,000 copies, Yeah, you know, kind of later on, which I never would have guessed that they were that big. I mean, they sold 40,000 the first week. I would have guessed, you know, a band like that would probably just sell that many overall. Overall, so. yeah. Um, I mean, at the same point, though, like... That was the peak for right, right around. Yeah, no, that. When did. I want to know. Hold on. Let's. I want to see something. When did a mark commission a brand, a scar, come out by Dashboard Professional? That's the real question. Um, a mark. A, I think. Mark commission a brand, a scar came out. If my internet was good enough in this RV, I could tell you. Now we patiently wait. <laughs> 2003, which is when this record came out, right? 2003. So, uh, like, I would say that's, like, kind of the the right around the peak of just, like, Vagrant Records and, like, the, the I guess, post-hardcore emo, like, explosion sort of thing. Yeah, um, that's fair. So, yeah, where they were actually, yeah, like, showing up, you know, on... MTV and just like yeah, all over the place. But I mean, right off the bat with this record, I mentioned that, you know, this is the first that they did without Matt Allison um, engineering the album. You can definitely hear a difference in the sound, like the guitar tones sound different. Um, I guess Matt and Dan were sick while recording this. I don't know if that really played a factor at all. I did see some like comments here and there on like different YouTube videos of people saying like, oh, this is the, my favorite Matt Skiba vocal sound. Um, was on this. And so I don't know if that came from him being sick or not, but, uh, like, yeah, like it definitely sounds different and I, I have a hard time deciding whether or not I think it sounds better. If that makes sense. Like then, then from here to infirmary. Uh, I, I definitely thought it sounded better. I don't know if that's, you know, with, uh, Jerry Finn, maybe having more of a hand co-producing. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that that did, you know, make it better. Yeah. I definitely noticed, this one that I enjoyed this album more. Yeah, it e- even part due to the production. It sounds for sure fuller, um, but I just, I'm just yeah. It's just sometimes I feel like oh, I maybe I missed the rawness a little bit of the earlier like even counting from here to infirmary, which people would you know maybe shit on back in the day, being like, oh, that's you know that's not raw. You want to hear raw? You got to hear these first two records or whatever, right? Yada yada. Um, but. Yeah, it, I, I've always loved this record, though. It's just kind of stood out where the guitars sort of sit like in this weird frequency for me where they're not they're not bright and punchy, which I think is what feels so yeah. different for, you know, um, for music at that time. Because like a lot of that stuff did feel bright and punchy, right? Even, you know, yeah. like Get Up Kids felt bright and punchy and they were, you know, uh, you know a sad band. <laughs> I could <laughs> or, also see them saying like they didn't want that just because yeah. it was a popular thing, you know, like to kind totally. of keep with that darker moodier vibe that they yeah. have. And that's so. that and that very well could be it for sure. Um but let's get into let's get into some of these songs starting with Continental. <laughs> 
breakfast in a spoon The shortest breath of your young life A long walk home on Friday night You made one last stop at the store On my walls I got a long list of calls I must make To your existing family You had nine lives And one by one you chew them up Your final coffin Has been driven far too much This won't take long You said I'm not going far Go in the car This song's about an overdose. <laughs> Whether that overdose was accidental, and, and it's not, I should say, I don't think it's about an overdose of a band member, um, but just someone they knew maybe, or even just writing, you know, like hypothetically or whatever. But it, it sounds to me like it's about an overdose, whether it was on purpose or it was, you know, accidental, this overdose. Um, who knows? Was this, was this one one of your picks? Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, why, I, I didn't write that down. So why don't you share no, why uh, why you went with this one? Well, yeah, the the opening riff on this on this song really reminds me of MXPX's "Wrecking Hotel Rooms," which is off of an <laughs> album quite a bit later. I think that's off of uh, their Panic album. Yes, it is. Um, and there is a uh, I mentioned another one of these songs that we're going to talk about reminds me of another band, uh, but just kind of that you know it's got kind of that lighter sound. Um, you know, it's not super distorted. It's kind of, you know, picking some kind of dark chords or whatever. But, and there was also, as I was listening, it was reminding me of something else that I, I couldn't pinpoint who it was. It was, it was bugging me. But yeah, the, I love the chorus on this song a lot. It's uh, simple, but the vocal line carries the melody really well. And uh, again, like we said before, like a band like this, it's just those simple little things that um, you kind of just have to grab onto to. Um, yeah, just kind of make more of the songs, um, and not not in a negative way. Like it adds a lot to it, even if it's just something simple. Um, so there's a line that he sings. I think it's like "Let the sleeping dogs lie or die." Yeah, yeah. Um, but he he does a harmony on that, and to me that like made that song, just because I was listening. Like that's what I remembered. So again, just those really simple little yeah. nuances that that really elevate the song to make it memorable. I also really loved that on the last chorus, he kind of pushes his vocal range a bit more or sings it in a higher register or whatever. And again, just a simple thing, but really made the song stand out and just added a bit more kind of emotion and rawness to the song, which I really liked. Were you ever into, I'm sure I've asked you this before and you've answered, but beyond like kind of the early stuff, were you ever into No Motive? Uh I wouldn't say super. I mean, yeah, like I saw them with MXPX and liked yeah. them and got their album and you know, there's a few of those. Well, yeah, probably the albums that were on Vagrant for yeah. sure. Cuz um well yeah, so then I mean when they were with MXPX tour that tour that would have been and the sadness prevails and then they had Diagram for Healing and then they had why am I forgetting the name of it right now? Oh, that's that's embarrassing. But anyway, this song kind of like that that opening guitar riff that you were mentioning is what reminds me like I had often compared 
no motive the vagrant years to like alkaline trio just they just found they had similar sounds in like that more like mm-hmm. straight up kind of like mid-tempo melodic you know like kind of emo tinged punk sort of stuff yeah. right yeah um obviously lyrically alkaline trio is a lot darker um than no motive was no motive musically got darker now i gotta look it up because i'm literally talking about a specific album that i can't remember the name of um but no motive got darker uh in sound kind of the the longer they you know with the with the albums that they oh daylight breaking there we go that's what it was called oh yeah the album daylight breaking by no motive um it got kind of darker in its tone and a little bit heavier and like so that opening riff on continental definitely reminds me kind of of no motive in that regard but or maybe vice versa i guess you could say but um yeah i also think the title continental in this song is actually a lincoln continental uh because there's a line where he says go wait in the car you know it says oh yeah. yeah well he says um and I think kind of when he says go wait in the car, like the guy's going to get another fix and whether that person comes back from that fix or not, I don't know, because then there is a, the lyric in there that says uh, you had nine lives and one by one you chewed them up, which I originally thought, and maybe this is just, maybe this is wrong on genius because I always thought the lyric was you had nine lives and one by one you'd shoot them up, which makes perfect sense to me if this is a song about someone overdosing and and doing drugs yeah. right and that's what i took that as but then everything i read was like chewed him up like what i mean okay i guess maybe i don't know i don't but whatever um yeah it's i i always liked that line too um just kind of like the you had nine lives like you've you've tempted fate so many times that it yeah. finally it finally caught up with you sort of thing oh. uh just now your, that chorus is in my head again now that yeah. you said those words right there you go so now that that course is in your head, let's move to the next song we're going to talk about, which is All On Black. I put it all on black No color you're all dressed in And a stab in the back Left you bleeding on the floor And I'm Passing of your insides, I smile in regret every time I think of how I spoke to you. creepy like delivery of the vocals in the verse on this song and i watched a video whether it was they they performed this because this was one of the singles off this album um they performed the song on conan as well as 
Letterman for sure. And I was watching, I was like, oh, like Derek Grant is singing, the drummer is singing the backup vocal behind Matt Skiba oh, cool. uh, in that beginning where it sounds a little like very moody. Like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, uh, there's a definitely an effect on his voice that kind of brings it almost like it's coming in and out of a whisper type. It's weird, but I've always enjoyed it. It's another song where Skiba actually has the black and white and red all over line. Um, he says that because he's in this song. He says, "What's what does he say? What's black and white? What's red all over, or something like that?" Mm. Um, and I'm not sure if it's supposed to connect to the song "Bloodied Up" or not. Uh, the first verse also features a line about bleeding on the floor, um, which you know is much like the song "Bloodied Up." But uh, yeah, so I'm not sure if there's supposed to be a connection there. Like maybe the song's about the same person, and so you know he's using some of the same metaphor sort of things or maybe he's just recycling lines uh, the lyric pleased as piss um, like that <laughs> that line that saying I just it makes me laugh because I'm like that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't make any sense it's just something someone says man makes me pleased as piss like what huh <laughs> like I, I don't get that at all and uh, I don't know if you notice this but in uh, like the instrumental parts of the song uh, like the drummer Derek he he does like these like triplets on the on the ride where like all, all his other oh, like pick up on yeah all of his uh, go listen go back and listen to it because all his other symbols that he's playing are just kind of like straight and then he'll switch to the ride for a couple counts and he's like doing these like fast triplet sort of things it's kind of neat but um what were your thoughts on on this one so this is another one that reminded me of another band so the opening riff really reminded me of old afi Okay, yep. And there's there's a number of times that that Alkaline Trio and AFI kind of <coughs> cross those lines, both the similar, you know, kind of gothic influence, yeah, yeah. you know, darker kind of chords and progressions. and yeah. um, But I, I really like the songs that have it. It adds a really cool vibe to it. Yeah. You know, this song has a bit of a slower, lighter feel to it, as some of the other ones have. Um, but like I said before, that's not a bad thing. I think that it kind of helps to break up the album a little bit and yeah. and it adds, you know, some more dynamic and mood to the album. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, this album is definitely, I think, more dynamic than uh, than From Here to Infirmary. And I can't, yeah. I can't speak for anything after this album or to a great extent anything before. Like I've heard those couple of albums before From Here to Infirmary, but not nowhere near the same level. But, but yeah, between these two records, I would definitely say that this album has a bit more variety and a bit more dynamics to it. I like the, the AFI sort of um, comparison. Cause I mean, that's another band that probably has, you know, owes a lot to the misfits. Um, yeah, definitely. The misfits and the offspring, <laughs> obviously, uh, you know, with, with nitro Records signing AFI, that's fair enough. But um, were you a big fan of AFI at any point? Um, I wouldn't say a big fan. Like, one of my friends who later played in in the band with me, he was a huge AFI fan. I went with him for his first tattoo of, you know, the AFI bat on his back, and yeah, yeah. and uh, and yeah, had a few friends that were super into that. Yeah, it was yeah one of those bands that was cool, but it was almost like a little too dark, but not really heavy dark. Right. Um, and yeah, like. At that point, I would have been more just into into punk stuff or like you know popular. Yeah. So yeah, great band. Definitely like some of their albums. It was awesome seeing them live. But yeah, I wouldn't consider myself like a huge AFI fan. Yeah, it's it's funny because I can remember standing like going to 
I'm sure we only did this at one specific show, but I was standing there with this other guy and it was like a local show or whatever. And we were just like, watch this. You can turn any punk song into an AFI song. And then like when the chorus would hit after every line, we just go, whoa, <laughs> we just like kept doing that, to, which is like very much. I feel like early on AFI did that a ton, right? Like where, um, and then even the offspring started doing it. Like I, you can oh, hear yeah. them kind of like picking them that for up. sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's fair. I was, I, I only owned one AFI record. I believe it was sing the sorrow. Yeah. That was but, a good one. But like when I look at it, I'm like, did I actually own that? Like I for sure had a record and I'm like, I don't think, but anyway, that's, the one that I think it was, um, <laughs> that's how good, that's how much of an AFI fan I was. Um, but I'm just currently looking at their discography to see if there's anything else that jumped out. Cause yeah, no, yeah, it would have been sing the sorrow. Cause it definitely wasn't the art of drowning or anything before that. But, um, yeah, no, that's good. That's good. I, like I said, I kind of, the dark broodiness of this song, I really enjoy, which will interestingly enough, bring us to the last song we're going to touch on, which is Blue Carolina. It's everything that I can do right now Do not think about me moving further off With every passing second Every night of this lonely summertime I feel it missing from my heart If I would get that from my soul Well I can hardly wait Until I get the sun in your lips Go pressing on my skin Well I can hardly wait Until I feel that thrill in my heart That starts inside your eyes and the song in my head that burns so good on my tongue Yes, I will Yeah, yeah, yes, I will The night is aging as the sun warms your face This song feels so out of place on this record uh, because alkaline trio often feels so dark and brooding and this song just feels light <laughs> you know what i mean like he's literally saying like singing about he's like a you know i just can't wait till i get the sun and your lips both pressing on my skin like he's just talking like he's in love yeah. right and he's like oh man i long for the days of you know like summer when we can be back together and all this kind of stuff and it's just like uh it's just this weird like switch from kind of like where you hear these other songs now Having said that, the song that comes right before this has a very similar feel to this as well, and I kind of went back and forth between these two songs, but uh, it's always stood out because they're typically like this dark band, and this song is so light and sweet. Uh, the drops in the chorus when he says, yes, I will, and he says, yeah, it's just like this, like, mm, I, don't, I don't know yeah. how to describe it, but I loved it. It's just like impactful almost. Um, and the line, you know, all my favorite singers have stolen all of my best lines is quite possibly one of the best That's lines cool. I've heard in like a love song where I'm just like, yes, I like, I use this. This is going to get uber cheesy. Um, back when I was dating my wife, I made her like these two mix CDs and one was, um, it was like slow, like more like mellow songs that were all like, I would highlight 
lyrics from the song. They weren't. The funny thing is, they weren't necessarily all like love songs, but there would be a lyric or something in them that would remind me. And then you're like, look at the rest of the song, and it's like, oh, these people are clearly breaking up. But there's like this moment where it's like <laughs> this lyric stood out to me. But this yeah. song, this song I used, and specifically like that line, where like this fits perfectly. Like all of my favorite singers have stolen all my favorite lines. I couldn't write it better than than the way that Dan sings it here. Um, but yeah, it's it's always just been kind of like going back to like the variety and you know more variety and more dynamic on this uh, on this record. Like this, th- these couple songs right here feel like a breath of fresh air. Yeah, yeah. For this song, for me, the the thing that stood out the most to me, and it's kind of a weird thing, but is just how how Matt sounded like Matt on this song. Like Except the vocals, whole, but it's Dan. Dan sings this song. Oh, well, okay. Well, that would be why then. <laughs> so, so let's. There's yeah. There's two different. They and they almost which was okay. So that's one of the interesting things when I, I remember when Matt was first joining Blink. I was like, oh well, he sang in a band where he you know there were two lead singers, right? And uh, so I was like, he kind of gets that done. In Blink, I feel like they would go back and forth a little more. Versus like Alkaline Trio very much feels like a Matt song, a Dan song, a Matt song, a Dan song, right? Like they right. might do some backup vocals, but they're very rarely on these two records anyway. Does one guy sing a part on someone else's song, right? Like, but yeah, this is a, this is a Dan song. But what were you gonna say? Well, just just how much it sounded. I even really know how to express it. Just the vocals, the way he. I don't know if it's just the way he punctuates the words. Um, or whatever it is, but it, I mean, it almost—it doesn't have a southern drawl, but just—you uh, know what he has? I don't, I don't really know what to. It's yeah, he, is, he has a lisp. Uh, okay. So like that is—it's interesting that you brought that up because that was like kind of in a note that I have like in my conclusion sort of thing is that um, with Dan's voice, one of the things I've always loved is that he has a lisp, and he's actually said, from what I can gather that he like he believes like that lisp has helped give him like kind of create a, like a unique signature sound or whatever right uh, but the funny thing is i've often compared it in like my listening to another singer who was around around the same time who also had a lisp and that would be davy von bolen of the promise ring um, who would have been like by this point the promise ring would have been you know releasing their final album or maybe it had already come out by this point um, versus like continuing to go, but but I always found like their voices kind of reminded me of each other, and it's because of because of the lisp. Okay, well, yeah, I I, I wouldn't have said I, I picked up on that, but yeah, there was just something about the vocals that yeah. was like this is so intriguing and just yeah. made me want to listen to it, and yeah, so that that's what stands out. I can't even necessarily remember it musically, but yeah, yeah, just the punctuation, the way he sang that was really captivating in an odd way. I do want to talk about that a little bit more, but first, um, I want to kind of go through some of the other notable songs uh, on this record, and then I, I want to come back to Dan's voice, but. Uh, so some other songs on here we've had enough which uh, was a single with a video and I laugh at the line where he says turn that fucking radio off because one of their early songs that was really kind of like loved was the song radio and so I'm like oh that's it's just kind of makes me laugh a little bit like part of me wonders like was it is it in any way you know like Matt's way of saying like 
yeah, you guys maybe don't like some of the changes we've made, but this is who we are. You know, just like whatever. Yeah. That, you know, that was us then. This is us now. Even though I say that and it sounds like, oh, they've made this grand change. And I don't even see that they ever made a grand change. I think the way Dan described it in that, that quote I read earlier where they just really kind of like focused more, I think makes makes perfect sense. Um, the song is about taking the radio back from the trash pop that was everywhere at the time, which, I mean, how many punk bands have written that? Um, yeah. Also, the song only took 30 minutes to write, which is pretty great. And it references Walk Among Us by The Misfits, which is great, there you too. Go. Um, another song off this record worth listening to, Fatally Yours. The chorus on this song gets stuck in my head. Um, and then uh, just with the, I'm fatally yours. And then the stinging line reads, as you crashed your car through my front door, I pulled you from the wreckage. You told me that you missed me, but you meant with the grill and hood. <laughs> <laughs> I missed you. I, by that, I mean I was trying to run you over. Um, and then the song Every Thug Needs a Lady, which I was kind of referencing briefly when talking about Blue Carolina, is that um, it's it's so light feeling compared to what Alkaline Trio does a lot of the time. Yeah. Lyrically and musically, this song actually features like a poppy kind of like acoustic guitar on the verses and stuff, or maybe the chorus somewhere in the song. I can remember hearing it. But um, yeah, so Dan's voice... I, you said it was so intriguing, and that's honestly, I think probably, like the first songs I would have heard by Alkaline Trio, I can almost promise, were Stupid Kid and Private Eye. Maybe not in that order. It might have been Private Eye first and then Stupid Kid, but whatever. Those two songs, which are both Matt songs, which are both like that, people would probably say like the iconic Alkaline Trio sound, because obviously he's gone on to be a part of Blink and all this kind of stuff, right? Like... Matt Skiba's voice is in more places now than yeah, for sure. Dan's voice is. And, but for me, this band and my love and enjoyment of these records came from Dan's voice. It was those songs that drew me in and it was mm. his delivery. Like I find, I mean, there's two things working here. Like one is, yeah, he's got this unique voice, which I think part of it is the lisp. Part of it is maybe it's like a, like you brought up some kind of like accent thing going on. I mean, it wouldn't be a Southern drawl. He's from Chicago, but you know, like something going on there, but also he just sings to sit. He just sings to seem, seems to sing so easy. Like his lines never feel like he's like, reaching or stretching whereas i find matt yeah Ske- they just kind of flow out nice yeah matt skiba and you brought it up on one song where you liked where he went up that octave and he was like stretching his vocals but i find skiba's voice can kind of get grating at times when he starts yeah. doing that and maybe it comes across more live especially like seeing like i i i should not be like putting these two together but seeing like live blink footage where i'm just like what is happening right now but i mean <laughs> mark hoppus is no better right but but like Dan's voice has just always seemed more soothing to me. And it has this weird, like, yeah, he's singing in a punk band, but his vocals are never like overly aggressive. They're mm. also not like overly like pretty, if that's the right, right word to use. Right. But his, yeah, his, his, his voice has always been unique and it's always been the thing that, um, has kind of brought me to this band and back to this band. Like it's, it's kind of hard to avoid when you have a band who has two signature lead vocalists, whether, you know, like Alkaline Trio, or you can look at Blink-182, or, you know, just any bands that, that have, like, two lead vocalists. Alkaline Trio, it, you're often going to see, like, the comparisons and, you know, choosing favorites or what have you. 
and Alkaline Trio for me it's always been like Dan's songs have typically been the ones where I've been most like drawn to yeah Hmm. but I don't know so having said that you said um, you were kind of you've been into Alkaline Trio from I mean it's not really fair to call it newer stuff anymore because I think the album you mentioned was 2008 it was released well that's that's (laughs) when I started getting into them so I've listened to everything since then yeah yeah but But that's when I actually started buying their albums yeah but I'll say the albums that you you would say you like are kind of more their later stuff yeah so would you with with some of the things that we brought up on this episode here do you think you would go back to these albums and like listen a little closer you kind of like yeah we're good um uh, that's a good question i mean they they definitely have a uniqueness about them that can't really be filled with a lot of other bands which you know say we're talking about you know a band like you know blink like there's a lot of bands kind of in that in that kind of scale of, of pop punk whereas you know this band there isn't the same so it would kind of depend you know am i feeling you know dark and moody but still right. kind of want punk rock or yeah um i wouldn't say that's uh, an emotion i feel too often but <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I, I guess at the right time i would yeah but yeah it's yeah kind of hard to say i don't know they're definitely a band and this doesn't happen a whole, whole lot for me when it comes to punk and pop punk and skate punk and like anything that we've talked about. But they're definitely a band that feel more like fall and winter music. Yeah. Like just with their lyrical content. And obviously like in even the song Blue Carolina, he's saying, I can't wait for the summer or the sun. And like he's like, he's obviously he's writing a song from the viewpoint of it not being summer. And, you know, like, I want to get there sort of thing, but we're perpetually living in winter. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it feels like with Alkaline yeah. Trio. But, um, yeah, I'm intrigued. I, I do kind of want to go and, uh, like, knowing that you've liked, a, you know, some of their later stuff or, or whatever, stuff after this that I never really listened to. I'm kind of interested to go in. They released an acoustic album a few years ago that I did try to listen to. Okay. Kind of like, I couldn't really get into it that much, but... Um, yeah, like I would say all their albums, like this one, you know, have really standout tracks and uh, I wouldn't necessarily say filler, but, you know, maybe more forgettable songs. Right. So, yeah, like I, I wouldn't have a favorite album of theirs or say, like, this is the one that I like. Like every time they put on an album, there's always a handful of songs that I really like and stand out. And then there's yeah. others that's like, yeah, it's Alkaline Trio, but maybe just a bit too simple or right. whatever. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go, man. That's going to wrap it up. So before we get out of here, uh, again, go follow us on Facebook. We've got a page that's really just a copy and paste of our Instagram and Twitter, which is at Growing Punk Pod. You'll find our personal Instagrams and Twitters on there as well. Um, you can also find this show wherever you're listening to podcasts. As I said earlier, you could be listening somewhere and being like, I actually like this app better. Chances are you'll find us there as well. Wherever you're listening, though, make sure you rate it, review, subscribe, tell your friends, help us grow the show. If you've got a band that you would like us to talk about, Hit us up. Let us know. We've got ideas. We've got things that we're working on, but we're also always looking for other ideas and contributions as well. So I don't know what's up next because, you know, I'm basically on the other side of the world from you right now. So we got to figure this stuff all out. But we, we've got more stuff coming down the yeah, line. Definitely. Um, but yeah, that will do it for this episode. So uh, goodbye.
this. Clean up your bench. I wouldn't pee in your pool. Don't sweat in my gym. I don't have a pool. We'll see. <laughs>